Friends, as we uh, gather today around the Word, I invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 4 through 6, as well as 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 8. Cutting out just a second there. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 4 through 6. And then just uh, seven chapters later, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. So the song that we sang that we're, we're just learning more about and where it comes from is Be Thou My Vision. And if you um, go to, for instance, hymnary.org, you can look and see all the different scripture references to a song like this. And they are abundant. There is a richness of all of the theology that we find in a song such as Be Thou My Vision. This was written in verse, some poetry in the 8th century and later was set to music. Um, so we'll, we'll come to that a little bit, and some of it alludes to St. Patrick. Um, granted, I know that tomorrow's Valentine's Day. We're actually off of St. Patrick's Day, but that's going to happen during Lent, and we'll be doing other stuff then. And so as we do gather today, we're going to focus on these two passages from 1 Corinthians as we think about what this song should mean for us and how it helps us to hold on to the truth in Scripture even as we sing these songs that we love. So before we read God's word together, let's pray. God, may you be our vision. As we come to your word, may you be where we give our attention to. May you be our best thought by day or by night. Lord, may you speak to us clearly. May we see you in a new and refreshed and helpful way. And may, above all, may your goodness and who you are be the focus and attention that we give so that we may be transformed by your loving presence. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 4 through 6. So then, about food, eating food sacrificed to idols... We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ through whom all things came and through whom we live. And then turning over to 15, verses 1 through 8. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what is your vision for life? That sounds like an, maybe an interview question or an intake form type of thing. It sounds like a question that you would maybe get asked at, at college. What's your vision for life? If we break things down, though, into maybe some categories that are helpful, there's three different types of visions that we can have for life. And we're actually going to start in the middle because they do have somewhat of an order to them. We're going to start in the middle, maybe just because middle children always feel like they get skipped. So today we're going to start with just the middle one. The middle sense of vision is quite simply the lesser visions. They're not necessarily bad. Some of them can be good. Uh, some of them are just necessary and neutral. What's your, what's your vision for life? Now, we're in church, so we're primed to think, okay, we know what the good one is. It probably has something to do with Jesus, and you would be right. But the middle vision, what's your vision for how you're going to handle your finances? What's your vision for your, you know, what your finances will be five to ten years? These are not bad things. Um, for instance, we're in a church. We're not going to pretend that it's not generosity and choices that people have made that allow us to do what we do here at North Holland. People have a vision for what their financial goals are. Some people have a, a vision for what their career wants to look like. Someone who uses their passion and talents and, and goes after something, they have a vision of what they're after. These are in that middle category. They're good. They can be turned in on themselves. They can be turned bad. But everyday stuff of life. I think for most of us, regardless of if we're single or married or divorced or have kids or don't have kids, we ought to have a vision for what we want our home life to look like. What, what is our house to be? Is it a place of hospitality and, and gathering? Is it a place of rest and study and refreshment? What's your vision for what your house and your household should look like? We can have a sense of vision for these things. These are all in that middle category. I also think the lesser visions can include just some of the side hobbies and quirky things. When I was younger, I had a vision for, you know those pedestrian crosswalk signs and the people kind of look like this? I always wanted to, and I never did, I always wanted to create a stencil the same size as those road signs so that I could spray paint those signs to make these creatures look like Bigfoot. So that all throughout Jasper County, Indiana, there would be Sasquatch crossing signs. I never did this, in part, because it is a lesser vision. I was very scared of getting in trouble. And in rural Indiana, there just aren't that many pedestrian crosswalk signs. And those that are really close to schools, which are well-lit and have cameras. Once again, part of my vision of growing up was not getting in trouble, or at least not getting caught. We can have lesser visions. We can have fun things that we're after. I have a vision of what being out at Camp Geneva and sledding will be like, that there will be laughter and joy and probably a little bit of air being caught off of ramp. These are all fine and good. These are in that lesser visions category. But our lesser visions can get manipulated. They can be taken over. And then they can step off to a different category. And that lower category is idolatry. 
It's where our maybe neutral or even good visions have been taken away from the realm of looking to God for vision and for guidance. And they become idols. There's a difference between having a a vision of what your financial picture or household looks like and making it your idol, making it what you're all about, all in on. Where all of a sudden your vision of how your life is going to be all of a sudden doesn't have much of God in the picture at all. And that's where we get into trouble on those middle, that sense of those lesser visions, protecting ourselves from idolatry. I don't think we have statues in our homes that we have to worry about bowing down, praying to, and worshiping. But I do think we have things that ask for more of our time. We have screens that get more of our attention than maybe other things around us. We have fine and good, enjoyable things, hobbies and and games that we play can become too much of our focus. And at this point, God is no longer our central vision. So there is lesser vision, there is idolatry, and then there's that sweet spot. The furthest and primary vision that we have is a singular one. And this is a singular vision of Jesus Christ at the very center of our lives, and that it is the gospel message within us, the forgiveness of sins, the love of God that is within us. When that is central and primary, it changes everything else down the way. It takes our lesser visions and helps us discern them. Is it, is it pleasing to God? Does it bring glory to God? Does it honor God? Is it harmless fun? When Christ is the central primary vision of our lives, then the idols don't have any room or they get pointed out for what they are. When Jesus is our primary vision, it informs everything else and it answers that question. What's your vision for life? What do you want to see in the world? And who teaches you how to see the world? Is it Jesus at the very center that what you long to see, what you want your vision of the world to be, is you want to see Christ at work? that our primary vision is to see Jesus. If Christ is our vision, then we see Christ in the world. We see Christ at work. And then Jesus teaches us how to see. Jesus teaches us how to see our neighbor, to love them well. Jesus teaches us how to see our household, to think of what our vision of our home should be. Jesus teaches us to see all of our other lesser goals of our career path or our finances or harmless mischief we want to get into. Jesus transforms all of that when Christ and Christ alone is our vision. Be thou my vision, we sing, meaning be what I see and how I see Jesus. Be thou my vision, my best thought by day or by night, where I want my headspace to be most occupied is with Christ, the risen Lord, our Savior. That is when Jesus is our vision. And it informs the lesser visions, orients them towards Christ's, towards Christ's love in all of the right ways, and it pushes the idols away because they're cargo that we are not meant to have on our manifest. This is very much what 1 Corinthians 8 speaks of, that there is this singular vision. There's just one God and Father of all, the creator of all things. And there's just one Lord to give our allegiance to. There is only one Jesus. 
and we give our singular vision to that Christ. Our lesser visions then are weeded out and and discerned in Christ's light. That there are times where maybe our lesser visions, we all like some comfort in life. This is just true. The things we might talk about after church, different things we enjoy that we find some comfort in. And where that can stay in that healthy lesser visions category and not become an idol would be the difference between God being our comfort or comfort being our God. Certainly with Christ at the center. We think about Jesus being the vision for how life works. That Jesus who died for us showed us that this dead-end, empty grave was going to be overcome with life. That death could be resurrected to life. That the impossible could be made possible. There's a quote by A.W. Tozer saying that God longs for people to join the impossible with him. And how sad it is that we only plan on those things which we know we can do ourselves. God longs to bring us into this impossible vision, but we sometimes stick to our lesser visions of just what we know that we can do, what we can pull off. And then we'll never be surprised. We'll never be totally wrong about what life could offer because our vision isn't big enough to include where Christ could lead us and where we could go if he was our central and primary vision. Christ and the resurrected Lord informs all things and that we see the world through the lens of the gospel, that we see people as those who need Christ's love. We see differently if Jesus is our primary vision, that God would be our vision, our best thought, There's a verse that we'll um, sing afterwards that is not in all the hymn books about that Christ be our shield and sword, meaning be our protection. And also the the way that we engage the world, the way we struggle is going to be informed by a vision of the resurrection of Christ's death and his coming to life. There's a lot of vision casting that we can do in organizations. There's a lot of vision discernment that we can do in our own life. And it has to be informed at the primary and top with Jesus and in the simplicity that 1 Corinthians 15 uses. The most basic explanation of the gospel is that of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That that move in history is the pinnacle of all things. And it should inform all things. Now, how do we get tied up with Be Thou My Vision, which draws on 1 Corinthians and Ephesians and a whole bunch of Psalms and just tons of other references in Scripture, and that guy, St. Patrick? Now, I don't believe in asking trick questions um, to audiences because I don't like to be tricked. And also, I think it erodes the trust between the person who has a microphone and the people who don't. Although, I mean, the sound people could override me as well. But St. Patrick is an interesting character, and he's not from Ireland. We associate him with Ireland and green and pinch people and St. Patrick's Day. Woohoo! But he's not from Ireland. He's from Scotland, same place as the fictional character James Bond. I mean, I think St. Patrick grew up in Skyfall. That reference is not for everyone. But St. Patrick grew up in Scotland, 
And he ended up in Ireland, first, not by his own choice. When, when Patrick was younger, raiders came and burned his village and enslaved him. Now, think of the trauma of that experience. When your village is destroyed and you're taken into slavery, you know that the worst of worst things happened on that day. And it was bad and ugly and probably would have scarred Patrick for life, both physically and mentally. And he was enslaved over in Ireland. But during that time, he also realized, even though his father was a deacon and his grandfather was a priest, he also realized that his faith was not his own. It was not something that he clung to. And it was in the midst of the worst of hardship that he found this new love of Christ and was drawn that Jesus would be his singular vision, that Christ's death and resurrection was what he was all about. And so it was in the midst of turmoil that Patrick turned to Jesus. Now, later on in life, he escaped and made his way back home, and his family pleaded with him to never leave again. Now, this is the moment where either God could be his comfort or comfort could be his God. Patrick could have said, I made it out. I survived. I'm going to go live in a big, safe city where what happened to me will never happen to me again. No risk or chance of it. But instead, he was given a vision similar to, to Peter and Paul's visions that they received in Acts. He was given a vision that the people of Ireland, the people who raided his country and had enslaved him for his youth, he had a vision of them knowing Christ's death and resurrection. And it became his primary and central focus. And so after escaping slavery, he went back and lived among the same people that had done wrong to his people. And he preached the gospel. He interacted with the, the Druids, the, the religion of the area. And he preached Christ, this singular vision of Christ who died and rose again according to the scriptures. And he baptized people and he planted churches. And the fruit of that missionary vision grew and grew and grew. And it maintained through God's Holy Spirit. It continued on long after Patrick was gone and called back home to heaven. This was Patrick's central vision, that he had a vision for the gospel to be shared with a people, and that he wanted them to know of all the other things that they worship. As Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, that there aren't these other gods or lords or idols. These are nothing. There is only Jesus. That at the crosshairs of existence is the cross of Christ. And this was his focus. And out of that, centuries later, someone was writing some poetry about Jesus being their central and primary focus, which was what St. Patrick had preached to the people of Ireland. And eventually those lyrics got picked up, those 8th century lyrics. That is a hard amount of time for us to fathom that had passed. 8th century lyrics were later set to music. And the tune that we sing, Be Thou My Vision To, is um, an Irish folk tune, and the, the name of it is Skane, S-K-A-N-E. Um, and its name comes from a region where Patrick had a famous showdown with a Druid leader when they were competing with the gospel. And it all started because the people were told, don't light any fires until the sacred festival has taken place. And Patrick on some level said, it's dark, it's cold, and I'm hungry, and i got to cook some food. 
And so he did. And the people of that place were brought to the gospel out of this central primary vision that Patrick had Jesus at the middle and wanted to share that with others, that Jesus could be at the center of their lives and that it would change them. It would transform them. Lots of different roads could have been taken. There could have been retribution. There could have been gaining power and forces to make a a military retribution against those who had wronged his people. But it was with Jesus at the center that transformed Patrick and a whole countryside of people. And that poetry, people reflecting on Jesus, is a tune that we still sing today. Because it was of first importance. As the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15.3, what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, this gospel message. It was of first importance. The primary goal was to share Christ with the world. And so I ask and wonder and inquire, what is of first importance to you? Of all of the, the lesser and good visions that we can have, what is of first importance? What's the thing that you just wish that everyone knew? Is Jesus at the very center of it? Is the cross of Christ at the crosshairs of existence so focused on Christ that it changes us? That it does change our behaviors and and how we think and how we act. But God didn't ask us to change our behaviors and how we think and act first to discover him. God came into this world and died for us and rose again. And it was through that love that we would be transformed and that our behaviors and our thoughts and our attitudes and the shaping of our lesser visions would come first out of Christ who loved us. So what is of first importance? What vision does that give you for the world, for what's possible? Maybe it's to bring the gospel to an entire people group. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not quite the St. Patrick-sized vision. But I wonder what our vision could be if we were focused first on Christ. Maybe it does start a little bit small. Maybe it starts with the pictures we see from the crossing each week, of this past week at the crossing. Kids learning to cook something, getting some one-on-one time. Because Christ loves. And we love because he first loved us. What is it of first importance to you? What is it this week that you just can't wait to do? And maybe it is just to have service end and go get a cup of coffee and a cookie. But maybe there's something bigger to our vision that we could have. Maybe there's something greater. Maybe there's the impossible that could be made possible. Maybe there's death that could be overcome by resurrection into life. What is your vision? I hope that that's a prayer and a challenge for us as we sing this song again in just a little bit. That we pay attention to all the things that we're told, be thou my vision, be my best thought, be my shield, be my sword, be my comfort, be my life, be be the words that I use. Be all of these things to me, Jesus, because I want you to be at the very center of my vision so that you're at the very center of my existence. That will change us and it could change the world through us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, 
we come to you asking that you be our vision. Be our central and primary love. Be the one that we can't wait to spend more time with. Be the greatest love that we have ever known. Be all of these things as you already are, but make us aware of them. Awaken our hearts to your presence, that our vision may be clear when we see you, and that our understanding of the gospel may be simple and clear, that you died for our sins according to the scriptures, that you were buried and rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And Lord, that you appeared. You didn't just remain myth or imagination, but that you appeared to everyone after your resurrection to show what was true and what was right and good. Lord, may your resurrection, may your very existence be of first importance to us. Shape our lesser visions around you and who you are. In the name of Jesus, we pray.